Hello from sunny Austin, Texas, and welcome to the Healthcare Soothsayer podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bonnie Clipper, and yes, I'm a nurse. I have worked for more than 30 years as a nurse, chief nurse executive, innovation strategist, and speaker. I have taken the message of Nursing Innovation International and look forward to continuing this message to transform health. This podcast will bring you thought leaders and ideas that you may not have otherwise heard from. Enjoy the show. Our guest today is Nathan Kostiuk, nurse practitioner and virtual reality education specialist. Nathan, welcome to Healthcare Soothsayers. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I'm really excited to be talking with you. You have a real unique background. And can we start by getting a better understanding of what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So this started back when I was a simulation instructor trying to figure out, hey, you know, well, simulation really works in terms of transferring learning outcomes to clinical objectives and getting getting your learners to perform better in clinical contexts. So how do you <laughs> how do you scale that process? How do you make it better? And um, this was me kind of digging into the world of VR and using that as an opportunity to um, increase training opportunities for my learners. So that's a little bit of where I come from. Um, and a little bit of what I do with Oxford Medical Simulation is uh, work with hospitals and universities to try to figure out how do you deliver more simulation in a way that's meaningful, effective, and standardized and gets you really strong uh, data on outcomes and things like that. So virtual reality is in the um, spectrum of simulation. It's at that highest end of simulation. It's a crazy powerful tool and it's still very, very new. How do you see this changing nursing education? Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because there's kind of two lenses that I view it through. And the first is you know, you can always look at kind of this exciting tech, right? I mean, virtual reality is exciting. You step into a headset, you're really immersed, and it's a lot of fun. Um, but what, what impact does that have? And I think that's that's where um, my, my personal uh, thing is to say, okay, well, how does the innovation that's happening impact the outcomes that you have as a training program? Um, and what problems do you apply it to? So in particular, you know, my my background is looking at the 400,000 deaths due to medical errors every year. And we've known about this number for years now, and we've been trying this and that to try to solve it. Uh, people use physical simulation, other bits of workforce development. Um, and the issue with that is, you know, it, it works and physical simulation works, but it's incredibly resource intensive and low throughput. So there's active business reasons to kind of stay at the status quo of whatever you're doing for training. Um, so where I think virtual reality is really, it's poised in a really strong way to transform nursing and just medical education in general is that lens of innovation becomes how do you use what's available in VR to improve that training, to improve accessibility and scalability and the data that you get back from it. Um, so that's, those are the bits that I'm particularly excited about and, and how uh, VR is poised to do that over the next uh, well, starting now, but into the next five, 10 years. And if you had to look into your crystal ball, what what does that 
sort of deployment look like in terms of bringing this technology to all of the nursing schools and medical schools and dental schools to replace some of that more um, what what we would think of is going to become more antiquated kind of a hi-fi mannequin simulation. Yeah, I mean it. Again, it comes back to like, what are you what are you trying to solve? And and so you can look at VR, the the state that it is in 2021, and say, okay, well, it's particularly good at doing certain things, and it really is designed. If you do it right, it's designed to work well alongside the physical simulation you may be doing. And you now have the really, I think, exciting opportunity to ask, okay, what do I do with physical simulation? What do I do with virtual reality simulation? How do I capitalize on what both are very good at doing? And so, you know, you take certain elements where right now in VR, they may not work amazingly, like natural language processing, communication strategies, that kind of thing. And you say, well, let's let's tailor our physical simulation program to that and be able to think about it that way. So in terms of kind of them, it's the same, you know, it's interesting. It's the same mentality of when physical simulation came out. Uh, as a as a way of training people in healthcare, and people said, "Oh, okay, is this going to get rid of of clinical training in the wards, and our people are no longer going to be in hospitals to do their training and that kind of thing?" And it's turned out that no, that hasn't happened at all. It's it's just that you've got these two methodologies, and they're both good at doing things in certain ways. And how do you uh, use them in parallel to solve the problems that you have as an organization? I like your explanation of that because they're really very complementary. And as as I understand it, the use of virtual reality is a very powerful supplement to some of that actual hands-on hi-fi mannequin simulation, again, with patients, right? So it's all of these pieces together because each of them has sort of different ways that they impact the learning mechanisms and and memory and muscle memory and things of that nature. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it kind of asks you, I think it makes you ask the question, like, how, why is VR good at doing what it does? You know, and I think that's when people are looking at it as a training tool, they're like, okay, well, how is this any better than, than what we're doing now? Um, and it comes down to this idea that well, if you're doing it right, it actually doesn't fundamentally change the experience of physical STEM training, but it becomes the same thing delivered in a different way, which uses certain aspects to capitalize on the benefits of, of either tool. It, but fundamentally, it takes the same lesson. We've been learning so many lessons about educational design and, and sound uh, simulation kind of technique and approach. And now it's about, okay, let's let's take those same learnings and let's apply them to this new format. And what's the benefit? It's it's this idea of kind of what I mentioned before, that scalability that comes with it. Um, and then also just the aspects of higher immersion and functional fidelity. And, and these are things that we know uh, from the research has an impact on, on learning outcomes and retention and real world results when it comes to practicing providers. So if, if VR is so promising, why do you think that the rate of adoption is so slow? Is it that, that the people that are designing these labs don't know about it, how to use it, or is it the cost? What is sort of um, making this sort of deploy slowly? Uh, I think it comes down to a few things. It also depends on where you're talking about, uh, you know, 
I'm in an interesting context where I get to see sim being delivered in, uh, across the globe. And I think there's different problems in different areas. I think when we particularly talk about healthcare in America, we have this um, kind of, you know, you have a lot of, um, like I said before, you have a lot of active business reasons not to implement uh, physical simulation. And now that it's coming to virtual reality simulation, is that because that's becoming a, a, an option, an opportunity? People are saying, okay, well, what's the infrastructure that needs to come around this? I think those discussions, especially when you're talking about being HIPAA compliant and, and having all sorts of uh, considerations around data uh, and employee confidentiality, uh, people have all sorts of, uh, you know, they want to build that infrastructure around the delivery of, of SIM. Yeah, and I actually see this as something that when you go to nursing school or dental school or medical school, in addition to some texts, you are also going to be assigned an Oculus or a headset, and it will be loaded each semester with the course content and a variety of ways for you to interact with the content to start to develop competence. And it gives you such an incredibly safe place to practice hundreds and hundreds or thousands of times until you get really comfortable with something. And I might even say competent with something before you have to go into a clinical setting. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, um, there's kind of two things in there. One is, uh, yes, absolutely. There's a lot of people thinking about this right now, especially as <laughs> coming off the back of COVID, there's a lot of people, unfortunately, they're, they're saying, okay, well, this is the end of my nursing career um, and needing to inject a lot more nurses into the, into the workforce. So on the academic side, people are saying, okay, well, how do we solve this on our side? And it really is taking a look at what are the available options? How do we increase throughput? How do we uh, decrease some of the bottlenecks that that'll, that don't let us get to a higher injection to the workforce while also maintaining the quality of, of the education and training we're delivering? So a lot of people are saying, you know, okay, how do we how do we make remote training, remote uh, simulation more effective, where people are able to engage in scenarios, and it's not <laughs> one of my pet peeves is when I was a sim instructor was, you know, so many options out there in terms of virtual simulation and they were all bad. <laughs> they were all just, you know, they didn't reflect what it was like to, to be in a complex health environment and definitely not when you get to practice, you realize how, how big that discrepancy is. Um, but as that realism improves, as uh, you get the ability to put all these things together in virtual reality environments and then talk about the accessibility factor of getting it out to wherever people are so that they can deliver that. Um, people are now saying, okay, well, let's rethink how we, how we structure our program to better support that throughput that we now have the access to. Um, so that's, that's the first element. Then also, you know, kind of what you said around um, how do how people, you know, think about uh, training people at a distance. And I think that's that really uh, that piece where distance training has, I think in the past, not delivered very well on its promises because you lose certain elements. And I think with VR, you can begin to recapture some of that. Which is really cool when you think that technology is what's going to help us do that. Yeah. Sometimes people get real fearful of technology because it's not very personal. 
Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> speaking of personal, just a couple of weeks ago, they announced, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but the, the MetaHumans, um, which is, you know, uh, some incredibly realistic avatars, basically, that, that adapt to the, the words that you're saying and, and everything matches up to a point where, you know, there's this concept in, in especially simulation and animation and modeling. It's called the Uncanny Valley where you're looking at something and it looks kind of real, but just real enough to where it's kind of creepy. And there's, there's then a, a rise that you need to come out of in, in terms of recreating that fidelity to make it better so that you can engage people on an emotional level that, is, that more reflects reality. Um, so some of those developments, right, are, I think, increasing the hu humanization of, of what's happening. But on the, on the converse side of it, it really does become, okay, well, now that these tools are available, how do you apply the best of your expertise and what you're really good at doing as, as a medical instructor, as a nursing instructor, how do you apply your own personality and your own expertise into that process? Um, and I think that's where you really do begin to look at this as tools to obtain outcomes rather than a tech that is fundamentally changing my my day-to-day -day life. Well, and what I really like about that is that it's technology. It's going to help us go farther, faster. The price points will come down, which means it will eventually become very, very cost-effective and scalable. The consistency and the standardization of the quality of education will be there. And it allows us to interject enough personalization that it isn't as though some tin can is teaching our next generation of health professionals. So it really allows us to check a lot of boxes. Yeah. And I think like what's around the corner from that, you know, we talk about, um, I, you know, a lot of the attention in virtual reality gets, uh, you know, it's around the scenarios themselves, right? I mean, what's, what's it like to increase the realism of, haptics and biofeedback and, and what's it like to, to speak to a patient and get that kind of response in a way that's realistic. And, and that's all developing and that, that, that's all, you know, getting to where it needs to go. And, and it's, and it's a process of what needs to develop in the tech world. But I think if you take even a look further than that, it's, well, what does this allow us to do? Right? So how does this give us a new lens to look at um, the world of training through? How do we collect all of this data and then apply it in a meaningful way to the outcomes that we're seeing in the real world? How do we get the information about the behaviors that learners are doing in scenarios and then use that data to then uh, flip it back to the workforce and to, to, our, to our results uh, and be able to get some predictive analytics? What I see is the holy grail of kind of where all this is heading um, and, and allow that to uh, really improve our outcomes. and, and Kind of put medical error deaths to death, right? And that's that's where I'm particularly most excited about where all this is going. I love that as a goal, and and as I think about you, sort of, I can envision it's really, in some ways, it's the perfect time because from a generational perspective, you know, I'm certainly of that generation, as I confess here, that you know, my first game was Pong. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then we kind of moved through Atari and eventually got really excited about a Nintendo 64 and all kinds of things like that. 
the younger generation, the Zers and young millennials that are in healthcare right now, grew up in such a different way with such different, shall we even call them toys? They become very accustomed to utilizing those um, interactive games and it interacted with them, giving them feedback. The haptics, you know, young people were introduced to haptics through we, I mean, a long time yeah. ago, mm-hmm. right? Which is very different than so many of us that had no idea what haptics were, except we would get, you know, buzzed a couple times when we first put on a headset. <laughs> so it's very different to know what to do with that feedback. Yeah. And there's a lot to say around that, right? I mean, the, the technological literacy that that you see happening um, and what are the challenges to, to integrating that uh, in a meaningful way? And my, my, for me, this is about uh, an important element of inclusivity of making sure that everybody's able to engage. Um, and so I think, you know, we talk about the world of VR, we talk about the world of educational design, we talk about the world of simulation. I think one aspect of this all is the world of user design, right? I mean, improving the ability for people of any background, of any uh, training level, of any, uh, you know, coming from anywhere to adapt our systems to the way that people work so that everybody can engage on a meaningful level. And I think when you do that right, you see people from all across the age spectrum, all across um, the background of training or wherever you may come from, they're using these these abilities, uh, these technologies, and they're, they're seeing a lot of benefit out of it. And so an example of that, right, you look at, you know, kind of the early days of iPhone versus Android. Why did iPhone get to where it is now? And I think a lot of that aspect has to do with instant usability. You pick it up, you know what to do with it. You don't have to ask too many questions. And if you design things right in a, from an ergonomics human factor perspective, I think you, you gain a lot from, you know, okay, yes, new technology, but this is made for you. Yeah. And I think that's a really great point because from an intuitive nature, when you put on a headset and you're holding sort of the, the hand pieces of some of these amazing VR assets, your, your brain just starts going to work. You know what to do and what to think, and you can scan a room or look at a situation and start to think about what do you do. So I think it's a truly incredible way to educate people because your brain is thinking through the last several chapters that you just studied on something and your hands, your hands didn't study the chapter, but yet your hands somehow are factoring into the actions and you're creating behaviors and muscle memory that starts to really come together as a package. And I think that's a really powerful way for people to learn. Yeah, and back to your earlier comment, you know, it really is about engaging in a way that is uh, it's emotionally significant, and that's a lot of the the kind of research around sim and really good sim is sim that engages people on a level that uh, allows their emotions to be engaged. Because, well, first of all, that's how healthcare works. I mean, you, you got to learn how to process those emotions as part of scenarios, but from a learning perspective. Uh, it really cements things into your long-term retention, right? And it allows you, it's the reason why as a first year nurse, you learn so much, right? Because now you're out of a textbook scenario. You're out of a, uh, a you know, a scenario where you're not dealing with real people and the, the emotional stakes are high. And so you learn a lot very quickly. 
And um, the idea in my my kind of what I drive to is how do we recreate that emotional fidelity and allow that to be a positive outcome uh, for people's training and for people's ability to uh, process the, the healthcare environment and dealing with patients and, and all the things that comes along with uh, very human in nature. Um, and I think that, that that for me is particularly exciting. Yeah, I think that's that's a really great thought as we all consider how do we bring these pieces together into our own practice, into our education, so many applications, so many use cases for this. So I think it's going to be fascinating watching this grow. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, it's it's the two-sided coin where we have what do we do with this now and then where is it going to take us into the next 5, 10, 15 years. And I'm particularly excited, and obviously a lot of what I do day to day is about what do we do with it now, and then looking at some of these elements of the, getting to be really excited about this, where we can take people into the next, uh, into the next few decades of healthcare. Wow, that's a pretty deep thought, Nathan, and that's probably a great place to put a pin in it for today. Yeah, well, thanks for your time, Bonnie. Well, and, and thank you so much for being generous with your time and being with us today on Healthcare Soothsayers podcast. And be sure to check out the show notes for this show to find Nathan's contact information and to learn more about his work. And thanks again for taking the time to listen in. Thanks so much for listening to Healthcare Soothsayers. I really do appreciate it. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and share it with your network. That is how we grow and learn. If you have ideas for show topics or guests, please reach out to me directly at ThoughtLeaderRN on Twitter. For information about this show or any of the others in the Touchpoint Media Network, please check them out at touchpoint.health.